Hello, and welcome to Thrash Life, the show where we talk to musicians about the intersection of life and music. On today's episode, we'll be talking to Mike Walls. Uh, he's been a musician around Baltimore for quite some time, and bands like Queen Wolf and Infinite Pizza, as well as uh, recording under Audio Esoteric uh, uh, Studios. I don't know. We'll have to ask him. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to get into that, but before we do that, let's talk about a couple topics that have come up in the news recently. First one being a little band called Brass Against. This one comes from <laughs> the uh, uh, website Lambgoat. Uh, it says, Brass Against lead singer urinates on fan during concert. Uh, Eurista, I guess, uh, is the lead singer reportedly complained about having to pee several times during the band set before securing a volunteer from the crowd to serve as her toilet while she and her bandmates covered Raise Against the Machines Wake Up. And there's a video of this that somebody shot during the concert. <laughs> it's uh, a lot of pee. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's surprising how disgusting it is. Uh, <laughs> pornographic, quite, quite, quite honestly. Um, I think it's acceptable to probably pause and run off stage real quick and, and pee off stage. Yeah, but I, th I think probably for that guy that volunteered, it was a good time. So he, he looked like he was having way too much fun, <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of why uh, the rest of the audience probably I mean, shouldn't he, be in it. He was practically waterboarded, man. I thought he was going to suffocate. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you know they uh, they they kick right back in. They're kind of like softly playing the rage song as she's yeah, peeing. She's but then, like, like doing vocals while she pees on him. And then as she finishes up, like she she starts going wild, pulls up her pants, and then he starts going wild on the ground. I yeah. don't know. Really so weird. Go to Lamb Goat and see the video for yourself. Yeah. Um what about Astro World? You hear about this uh, this thing called Astro World that happened uh, recently? Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard a little bit about it. I mainly just um, how it's got us rethinking how crowd control works because of how utterly stupid it actually operates currently. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So uh, over over uh, a weekend or two ago, uh, Travis Scott as well as Drake played a, a giant show in Texas called Astro World. Uh, I believe it's his his show. He he organizes it or, or just to some degree. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that happened was that uh, they underpaid and and disrespected security to the uh, extent that. They didn't have enough, and a bunch of people got trampled. Yeah. Also, along with that, uh, uh, some some stuff I'd uh, listened to about it is that essentially the way that crowd control works right now is they think of it like by the laws of physics, as if it's like sand in an hourglass, and that's how people are going to react when they corral them into small areas to control them, and. There's no gravity that it's like pulling people like people don't react at like grains of sand. And so it's been messed up for a long time. And now I guess people are finally rethinking that tactic. Yeah, there's there's a lot of tragic stories about people asking uh, for help and Travis Scott uh, acknowledging that shit was going on and just uh, fucking ignoring it. And just yeah, going that's, and, uh, that's been his thing to try and cultivate chaos yeah it turns out he's i think he's been uh charged a couple times for inciting a riot because he just wants it to be fucked up but uh a headline uh the internet thinks travis scott and live nation sacrificed astroworld attendees to satan and this is a popular tiktok trend i guess hmm. which uh people are saying uh that the the whole concert itself was a satanic harvesting ritual that hypnotized the people in the audience. And as a result, they wound up uh, being sacrificed to Satan. Yeah. Eight people sacrificed straight to Satan. I mean, I think if you were actually trying to sacrifice people to Satan, you could. Uh, I think the ritual would be a little more involved than just crushing an arbitrary eight people. It's not even. Like yeah, yeah, there was yeah. any specific type of sacrifice they were looking for. They're just like, we'll just sacrifice as many people as we can kill, I guess. 
Yeah, randoms too. Not <laughs> yeah. like uh, not with any specific uh, goal in mind or anything. But yeah. uh, this this seems a little a little ridiculous to me. This theory. Um, but if it is true, black metal bands, you got to step your game up. What are you doing? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Speaking of uh, of uh, extreme metal, did you did you do you ever listen to In Flames back in the day? Yeah. Like there was like a point in time when In Flames was like pretty cool in the early two thousands uh, with this album called Clay Man, yeah. and uh, they quickly, quickly one eighted into a completely different band. If you listen to In Flames now, they're they're not the same. But uh, I guess the original members got back together and released a single under the group name The Halo Effect. Uh, Ooh, I don't like that name. I don't like the name. Uh, the song sounds like original In Flames, so if you're into mm. original In Flames, uh, it, it's it's kind of cool. Yeah. Until you know they chop down some members again and become a different band. <laughs> yeah. But if you want that original In Flames, I just thought it was cool. I thought it was deser- deserving of a mention. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we get into our last story, I got a couple of uh, quick hits that I've come across uh, recently. Uh, rest in peace to Malcolm Dome, the guy who, he's a journalist who coined the phrase thrash metal. Oh, I did hear about that. Yeah. And then uh, next up, we got uh, Kerry King has released a statement that his next band will be fucking good. <laughs> All right. To be seen. But yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know if you heard about this one, but uh, Suicidal Tendencies had their Instagram shut down because their name goes against the terms of service. I, I did hear about this. This is probably going to be like an ongoing struggle that we're going to have to fight with over the next, uh, over over the next decade, probably, where we uh, talk about judging a book by its cover and uh, things like that. Because obviously, the suicidal tendencies, um, tongue in cheek, sort of. Uh, it's it's not about being suicidal at all. Yeah. If anything, it's about being anti-suicidal. Yeah. And uh, Anthrax has uh, decided to release a whiskey. For I believe their 40th anniversary. Okay. Which is pretty crazy. 40 fucking years. Maybe we can get a hand on that and yeah. Uh, yeah, try we it out. Try it out and let you know how it is. That's, that sounds pretty good, actually. Uh, yeah. Maybe they aged it for 40 years. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> like they knew that they yeah, were going to yeah, make it 40 years. So, last thing today, I just want to bring up uh, a story that came up in the New Yorker called How Britney Spears Got Free and What Comes Next. Now, Britney Spears being a, a big figure of the past 20 years, uh, famously had the reins on her life taken from her, and uh, she's pretty much placed in the custody of her father, who was, I guess, allegedly stealing all of her money the entire time. and uh, Along with um, a guy, ironically, named Andrew Wallet. That was put <laughs> in charge of her money. So, sounds completely legit, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Wallet. Yeah. Yes, take my money, Mr. Wallet. Um, but the the article is pretty interesting. It goes in to say how you know Britney got free, but uh, now it's uh, it's it's going to be a big struggle for her to go back through those uh, through those over ten years and figure yeah. out what they were doing with all of her money while she was essentially locked up. Yeah. And these kind of conservatorships uh it's actually not very new either they've harmed a lot of people in the past like um brian wilson was uh his conservatorship actually probably saved him a little bit because his cousin got conservatorship over him after his doctor also became his business partner Hmm. and was just giving him drugs so he could control him and take all of his money Hmm. well in this case uh She's got a pretty long road ahead of her. And the article goes on to state um, it's also going to be pretty hard because uh, immediately, I mean, as was the case before she was put placed into conservatorship, uh, everybody is uh, already taking pictures of her every waking moment of every day, and they're waiting for her to slip up again. So uh, yeah. anything, if she if she flips out on paparazzi, it's just going to be bad news for her again, which is unfortunate, but... Uh, uh, it's, it goes to show how, how difficult it is to get out of these situations when uh, the system decides you are not fit for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> and she's, I mean, she shaved her head. 
Yeah, she that's was, it. <laughs> she was actually trying to record an album without her uh, without her dad's knowing. Yeah, uh, at one point, and uh, I, I mean, I don't expect her to I put out an she's album. But released four albums under the conservatorship, so it's quite that possible. sounds pretty competent to me. They have to get that money. Yeah, so um, we'll be we'll be checking in with with Britney. Yeah. Uh, very excited to see Britney free. I hope she does well. All the best from Thrash Life Podcast. Absolutely. And uh, and now, let's go ahead and uh, talk with our special guest, Mike Walls. So let's start off. Can you introduce yourself and tell me your pronouns? My name is Mike Walls. I'm a he, him, they, them. It's fine. I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. Use whatever you want to. Right on. Uh, how would you describe the music that you play? Loud guitar music is generally what I say because it's accurate. I realize it doesn't help, but also trying to describe most of it accurately doesn't work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Distortion? So, yeah, lots of it. Lots of it. Ideally. What kind of places do you usually play? Um, illegal, if possible like given our druthers you know some some very dodgy shady place where you're not supposed to be doing it that's ideal um second to that uh punk rock dive bars um or i second place is shared by punk rock dive bar and legitimately decent punk rock venue like an auto bar mm-hmm. but also like a terrible place is good too and then after that like nice clubs they're less fun nice club last you don't like the green room I don't even know with it. Is that a place? Or are you talking about the movie? No, I mean, like, so, some clubs actually have a green oh, room. Oh, a green room. See, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> see what I mean? That's what fucking scumbags we are. Like, I didn't even, uh, no, I don't, actually. That's, huh. not a, that's not a thing that I would... I'm not, I'm not going to hang out backstage. Fair enough. So what bands are you active in right now? Uh, I sing and play guitar in Queen Wolf. I play guitar in Infinite Pizza. Right on. And you do some recording stuff, too, right? I do. That's under Audio Esoterica. That is the general, the, the fake name for for the studio that is really our practice space and also my space in the house, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The email address that I made thinking I was one day going to start a business. Hey, we got the same thing going on. This is Medusa <laughs> Head Media now. That's pretty good. That's and a good one. <laughs> so let's take it to the very beginning, right? So what was the, uh, the first musical inf- influence you had? Like before you even started playing music when you first became like conscious that music was a thing what was like the first music that like stood out to you um so there are two concurrent things right that i remember it being a moment where i was like oh like music is a thing not like it exists like wallpaper exists yeah we're like oh also there is oatmeal like like music is music right yeah Two things kind of happened at the same time around the age where that became conscious. Number one, uh, I got real into my dad's 45 of uh, Pinball Wizard by The Who, oh. which is a band I do not like now. Like, I don't <laughs> like The Who. Okay. But, but yo, that in the intro. Yeah, yeah. Sick. So like, I was really into that. And my parents are very Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point that we would go see like Southern Baptist music live, like quartet singers, like family band groups and, sh- and shit. Oh wow! Um, and those people, those people would all tour with like Nashville session musicians behind them. So to be like, we'd go to these week long festivals out in the fucking boonies, in literally in Boone, North Carolina, in okay. the fucking boonies, <laughs> all right, for a week, and it's just all day is these these Southern gospel music bands, and they all have the same backup musicians because they're all hot shit Nashville guys reading off of charts. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, we went to a lot of that, and at some point I realized it was the same band. And, hey, you just can't, like, what, do you all live together? How does this work? <laughs> and, like, you're there for a week. So I would just go find the bass player and be like, hey, man, so, like, what is the deal? So as a very small child, I convinced these Nashville session musician guys to explain, like, oh, yes, this is my, this is my PB bass amp I like. This is my Fender P bass. We all read off of these charts. We live in Nashville, but we just learn the songs of toy. A lot of them are the same, you know, the chord changes are this and that. So, like, at the same time, 
who is, oh, bow, is awesome. And also, there are people who make it go and they use stuff to do it. And it's not just, like, music doesn't just happen, you know? Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. Yeah, a lot of people do move to Nashville for that, you know, uh, gig, yeah. gig work. That's like, uh, not, a, I can't say that I really see it being like a big thing around here where musicians are like gigging like that or in like very many bands, but like there are a a very few amount of cities in America that those kinds of bands exist in. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's plenty of it or at least there's some of it around here, but it's, you're right that there are only a couple of spots where like that can be what you do. Like there's enough of that work that you can like, a lot of people are making a living just doing that. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know that I would want to do that. <laughs> I, there certainly it, it, there have been times in life where I've tried mm-hmm. to do the professional recording engineer thing, um, and it, I don't, I don't actually think I want to do it because then, then I gotta record stuff all the time. Like I have bills I gotta pay. I gotta fill that calendar. Yeah, and like, man, I sure am a picky, shitty, little opinionated <laughs> man in terms of my taste. Right. So God forbid I would have to try to in, like i would inflict my taste on like a country record well th- would that really be a bad thing though probably for them it might oh, be. F- for them and maybe. also i don't i probably wouldn't lo- i wouldn't enjoy it necessarily i wouldn't love it mm. then it becomes just my job and i don't know that i would love it the same so yeah, yeah. i just have a, a dumb square job and then still be able to record you know angry hardcore bands <laughs> right on so what was it like I guess, like, seeing all these people, uh, what was it like for you the first time you got to jam with other musicians? Intimidating. So I I, uh, I got a bass. Well, I got to do the math. To skip second grade so I can never remember how old I was in any <laughs> given grade, right? So for my 14th birthday, I got a bass because I knew two dudes. We were going to start a band. They were like, I'm going to play guitar. I'm going to play drums. Oh man, I want to play drums. No, you're gonna play bass. I'm like, fuck, fine. I guess I'll ask for a bass. And then, of course, as musicians do, they just fucked directly off. That never happened. <laughs> but I got the bass, and there was a kid in my art class freshman year at school uh, who played guitar. He was like, "Oh, I have a band. We need a bass player." He's like, "Oh, I play bass. Didn't have the bass yet. Three weeks away from getting the bass. Oh, I have a bass. I play bass." He's like, "Oh, you want to jam?" He's like, "Oh, well, wait, no, not three weeks. Sorry, it was a week away from getting the bass." I was like, oh, I, well, I can't, I can't, I can't uh, till like whatever three weeks away. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I play bass. Didn't have the bass yet. I play bass. I'll jam. So I got the bass. I learned. Uh, I learned. Uh, oh fuck. Which Green Day song is that? <laughs> uh, How am I not remembering? It's the, it's the song about jerking off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why can I not remember the name of the Green Day? That's awful. I'm so old. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's escaped me. I... Longview. Christ almighty, it's Longview. So I learned Longview. Okay. I learned Tomorrow by Silverchair. And I mm. learned Lithium. Okay. And I conned them into thinking I knew how to play bass by learning those three songs. That seems to be the way. So it was intimidating <laughs> the first time. Because, like, the guitar player of that band was, like, a dude who took lessons and, like, new scales. Like, he could play guitar. Oh. Dream Theater was his favorite band. Was he composing yet? No. Oh. Never did write any goddamn songs. <laughs> He's one of those motherfuckers. Where, yeah, like, yeah. Like one of those dudes in like school band who can play Miles Davis, yeah, like yeah, almost as good like from the sheet music. But if you're like, no, we're gonna do a ska thing, just like riff some. He's like, I don't, but what do I? I would like it's a mechanical skill, you know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. It's, uh... So he had a lot of that. He wrote two songs in the like ten years we we're in a band together, something like that, and both of them were ding 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 like four chord wonder, weird. So. A lot of tension building up to this, you know, <laughs> being like, oh, no, like, I have to get into this. We're going to be in a band. And you get into a band, and you just realize it's just, you know, a bunch of kids just trying to figure shit out. <laughs> True. But the thing is, by the time I got the bass and figured out those three songs, it was it was often then it was like, great. Well, then I can just write them, too. Right. It's not that hard. Let's just write some fucking songs. Let's go. So it was fine because he was not inclined to write shit, but he could mm. play whatever I needed him to. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? So it was like. Wait, it would be like a bam, 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 bam. How does that? How do you do? Show me. Great, let's do it. So it worked out great for a bunch of years. Nice in that respect. So how is it? Uh, how was the experience playing with other musicians uh, changed since then? How like I am marginally slightly better 
so I can be like, it goes like this, but like play it good, unlike what I did, you know. Right. Um, has it changed? Uh, I'm certainly a better collaborator in terms of writing songs. I've definitely, for a lot of years, was the uh, was like the James Hetfield school, right? Like I wrote the song and you play the parts I wrote you, and it goes like this. Um, mm. But now I'm a lot better at uh, allowing more space in the process. Like I've got an idea of what it could do and what I would like to do, but also know that there are inflection points where it could go another way, so I'm not going to hammer it too hard before I bring it to people. Okay, so you were like a principal composer initially, or like the one who stepped up to the plate to yeah. compose, and now it's become more of a collaborative process for you. Yeah, I mean, and which is which is certainly because I, I write slow. I'm a slow writer. So okay, I for sure want to have other people chipping stuff in because if we got to rely on me, it's going to take forever to finish a full length. Like, <laughs> right. Not only am I nitpicky about it, right? Like I'm only going to bring you the stuff that I'm like, no, this actually would be a good song. Like there there are plenty of ones where I'm like that's. No one needs to. I'm not even interested in that song. Like, is it a song? Sure. I don't right. care about it. Get rid of it. It's not that good. Okay. Um, any, but even the ones that are any good, it takes forever. So, like, I don't want to. I don't want to be solely responsible. I don't need to put out a record like once every ten years or some shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that is quite a slow pace. If you're going to yeah, it sucks. <laughs> like there, there. I think. I think I have probably that I like finished like two songs this year. It's been a super slow year. It's like, mostly slower than normal. Like obviously decision paralysis when it comes to this, like you're like nitpicking it and being like, ah, oh, this could be better. I tell you, it's part that, but it's also like nothing's going on. Like, what am I going to be inspired by? Like nothing's mm. churning ideas. So it's not even like a, I've got five ideas and I hate them all. It's just, I got no fucking ideas. Nothing's no fire under your ass to like actually yeah, get it and out. Like I'm, I'm, you know, it's, I, sh- I show up to work so to speak and, and try to write some stuff and play some guitar or whatever. Like nothing grabs me. You know what I mean? Right. Stuff, stuff shows up, but like nothing's awesome. And I've done it enough times at this point in life that I feel like I know the mouthfeel of a of a of a live one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, just fewer of them. Yeah, happens sometimes. You hit a dry spell. I mean, this has been a a trying time recently. Yeah. So. Uh, a lot of a lot of room to reevaluate or uh, just shift gears for the past couple of years and maybe not focus completely on uh, putting out the bangers. You know, it's just uh, not a whole lot of uh, how to say like less stuff has happened to bang about. Yeah, just yeah. Because I'm stuck inside. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, our our my friend Lauren Anderson, who's a, a therapist and also in the band Cowabunga Pizza Time. She posted a thing on one of those social medias um, <laughs> about how, like, some some people are creative in the moment, right? React to the thing. And some people are creative afterwards after it's been kind of processed. And I realized I am one of those, and I'm slow about it. Mm. So I'm trying to be nice to myself about not having anything to say in the heat of nothing happening. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's you fair. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So let's go back to your your childhood days as, as it were <laughs> okay. the, the beginning of music. Um, and even now, like you've done a lot of stuff over the period of time since you started playing music with other people until now, has there ever been like a extremely extravagant, maybe unrealistic musical goal that you have, or maybe still have that's like, I'd really love to play Madison Square Garden or you know like people have these like dreams these rock star dreams when they first get into playing music or maybe still have them no have you done everything that you were no I don't have any rock star dreams oh okay so I like I so up until probably the eighth grade I thought that rock and roll was fucking over Mm. right like the 50s and 60s and 70s had happened and then we hit the 80s and now everywhere I look because I'm I'm 40 somehow Right, so by the age where I'm noticing all this shit, it's like the you know late '80s, early '90s. Mm-hmm. Right, so like 1990, 1991, even it's still like Guns and Roses and Motley Crue, like right, videos right. are on, like yeah, yeah. dudes with big dumb hair, and it's very weird and like sexist, and there's cars everywhere, and I'm just not that kind of boy, you know what I mean? Yes. It's not, so like I figured rock and roll was done, like that's what they're doing, and it fucking sucks. Next, I'm only listening to gangster rap, so I was solely <laughs> into like. All I listened to was, like, super aggressive hip-hop and, like, some house music, because that was on 92Q, like, at midnight. Like, nice. late at night, yeah, so yeah. I'm listening to 
like like uh, West Coast hip hop and house music, and also my parents' Christian music. Up until I found out about punk rock in the eighth grade. Ah. Right, so like, uh, and I, I went directly, like directly into basement shows with kids like drinking vodka and ripping up American flags and yelling about burning down the system, right? So like, I never had any, I'm going to play a stadium and be a millionaire. I thought those people were complete assholes <laughs> and must be destroyed because yeah. that was the attitude yeah, then, right? Yeah, yeah. So I literally have never had any of those. Like my big rock star dream, like mm. my unattainable rock star dream would be like, man, what if we could go on tour for like three months and didn't lose any money? <laughs> that's wild. It'll never happen, but yeah. wouldn't it be cool? Like that's as extravagant as it gets. All of my fantasies are like, what if I bought 12 microphones so we could record all the drums? <laughs> and then I do it. It's not, Fuck I don't, yeah. maybe that's a lack of imagination. I don't know, but I'm, I'm very, I'm very much a, a practical person in that way. So like, if I'm going to spend the energy dreaming about some shit, it better be some shit I can do and get done. Otherwise the fuck are we doing? Hey, a three week tour is pretty lofty these days. <laughs> I'm saying, like, now that's a big, yeah, that's, that's a, a huge ask. commitment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What about short-term or, like, immediate music goals? Like Finish a fucking song. <laughs> just one? <laughs> At this point, yeah, one. Just let me finish. put one song in front of the other here. Um, we got four songs for a Queen Wolf record, and we want at least eight. We got to write four more. All right. Um, so write four more of those. Infinite Pizza's working on a bunch of songs. and But that's... The Queen Wolf is, is much slower, because that's a... I feel like Annie um, is the same way. As, as I am, where she's got to marinate on the riff and be like, no, I like this one. This is the good one. Um, Christy and Chuck are very reactive. And you got an idea, bounce it off me, here's a something. I got something for you. Like, mm-hmm. So that that process takes longer. Infinite Pizza will write a minute-long song every practice. Like They're all they're all dumb, hardcore songs, intentionally right. stupid. So as soon as we get you know a, a line, a lyric that is funny, as soon as one of us makes the other one laugh, it's off and running. And we can get that song going. Like that'll happen. Well, so like that seems fine. to be a good formula. That's going quicker. There, there's there's some stuff like uh, like Trumple Stiltskin, for instance. <laughs> I, I loved. As... Thank you. <laughs> I'm a fan of that one. Yeah, and that's the same deal. Well, that was a one day of practice. All every Infinite Pizza song is that. Like some of the lyrics, we have a, we have a Google Doc. Okay. And anytime someone gets a stupid idea, put it in the doc, and then at practice, you would just scroll through the Google Doc. <laughs> And see what tickles everybody. That's that a great tool if anybody is out there and, and thinks that they want to uh, write music in this vein. It's like. a really good organizational principle for a, for a collaborative process like ours, where the songs are short and intentionally goofy. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, Nikki will show up with a whole set of lyrics and, and a song sometimes. Becky will show up with a whole set of lyrics sometimes, but I feel like 85% of it is... Is... <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> oh, that's a song. All right, let's do that. Come on. Nice. Okay. Um, what about personal milestones? Have you ever reached one that you feel like, you know, something really stood out to you as like a, a moment in time where you're like, I really did it. Like this, this was the year, you know, we uh, finally, finally did this thing that I always wanted to do. Maybe with uh, your your instrument. Or hmm. anything like that. Shit, I'm surprised. This is, this is a hard question. I'm surprised that it's a hard question. I realize it is a hard question because of my my generally very like pragmatic. We're doing the thing. Fucking go attitude. Yeah, yeah. That uh, there rarely is there a thing where well, if we could just get to, if I can do this thing, this will be great. And now that is done. Great. That is a moment. It's always just like that was the last step in the process. We're on this step now. Get to fucking work. So <laughs> I don't know, like. I can putting out the putting out the Infinite Pizza and Queen Wolf uh, vinyl records probably is one putting those out on vinyl last year. Nice. That's the thing we wanted to do have a record. So I guess that probably that um, seven inch, twelve inch, twelve inch, twelve inch. Still, still available. Still available. Queenwolf.bandcamp.com. Nice. Pizza.bandcamp.com. <laughs> um, yeah. So that that was cool, and I'm glad we got that done before the lacquer plant burned down and before the supply chain disappeared. Oh yeah, yeah. Now people are getting quoted like months out yeah. to get stuff pressed. You're one of the rare bands that has vinyl on hand to and, actually... And we just barely... I mean, we we uh, we approved our test pressings the week that Lacquer Factory burned down. Whew. So, like, we just barely got in. That 
is extremely lucky. Yeah, extraordinary. <laughs> so yeah, I take I, there. We go. That would be getting finally getting a twelve inch out. Probably. Uh, I'm I'm jealous. I mean, I don't have a twelve inch out, so maybe in the future. Um, when it comes to creating music and art, are there subjects that you won't touch because of? Uh, you know, genre, taboo, controversy, timeliness, uh, politics, anything like that. Where do you draw the line when it comes to making your music and art? Huh. I feel like inherent in that question, there's there's this idea that like I I have that the that the person has an opinion on something that they recognize maybe should not be shared. Yeah. But they have that opinion. Um, and I'm such a pain in the ass that I don't know if I have any opinions I'm scared to share. Mm. So you don't really have the the hard line out there. I and and not in, I don't want it to sound like there's some sort of I'll fucking say anything, bro. I, like that's not the case at all. Right. Like there's definitely stuff where I'm like, oh, I probably don't need to have an opinion on that. Right. At all. No one needs to hear what I think about that. And it's not like a like it's a taboo. Like I'm scared. It's just I really, you know, I don't think my opinion is worthwhile for anybody. Oh, so you think of it that way, where it's not not so much like I would never make a political song. I just don't want people to know. You no, know, I'll make political <laughs> songs, but like, uh, like, like this is a this like to, I don't know. Pick a weird example, right? Like, like imagine I looking like this decide I'm going to write a song about uh, black liberation and like what the black community needs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, why? What? Hey, hey. Hey, white guy, why are you talking about this at all? Yeah, yeah. Like, at all, like, what, and also, what insight do you think you have to bring or offer? But, like, so that's the sort of where, like, like, just as a person, it's not like I have a secret opinion where I'm like, well, but I probably shouldn't share it. Like, my opinion is, I shut the fuck up and, like, listen in that case. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's more, it's more like that. Like, if I got something to say about it, I'll probably say it. I'm bad at masking my opinion, <laughs> you know, but I don't know if there's anything where I'm like, mm, oh, I can't, I can't go in that area. It's more like, a, oh, that's not an area I belong, so I don't desire to go in that area. Yeah, that's completely understandable. I and mean, maybe that's a distinction without a difference. Maybe. Um, you know, staying in your lane is pretty admirable, and, and saying your mind is, I mean, being from the punk community, I would imagine that you wouldn't really give a shit when it comes to speaking your mind, especially through songs and stuff like that. However, some people, they like to be a little bit more marketable. <laughs> they don't want to... Uh... I mean, I, yeah, that's clearly I'm not... I've never been good at marketable. That's never been a concern yeah, with, yeah. with making... Like, I still make it and try to sell it to people, obviously. Absolutely. Um, but, like, man, the, the whether it's marketable or not sure seems like someone else's problem somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Is that, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, yeah, certainly the, the, that's, that's not a, I'm not worried about it. Um, but I will say that there's a, whereas Infinite Pizza is much more direct in our politics, like you know, you know exactly where we stand on stuff just from scanning song titles. Right. right? Um, Queen Wolf is definitely more lyrically obtuse, and that is intentional because I like that. It's not like I'm scared to say a thing. Like I feel right. like I'm saying it pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying it with like David Lynch language, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right? Like that's. But I like lyrics, like I like songs like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the best songs don't have lyrics that make sense. Yeah, so I mean that's kind of true. <laughs> so, but so like, yeah, I feel like I'm answering and not answering this question. So I guess it depends on which band. <laughs> you know? That's fair. That's fair. Um, what's your what's your relationship with the term? success when it comes to music do you uh do you feel that things are successful that you're successful that uh there are successes that happen in music do you just avoid the term i i wish now i could remember where i saw it but some at some point this year i saw a quote from someone um where where they it was, it was someone talking about a conversation some famous person talking about a, an older more famous person that they were speaking to which is why I wish I could remember whose anecdote this was. It's not mine. Let's make that clear to the internet here. Right. I kn- and I know it. Um, but this person was saying, like, you know, I just I don't know if I'm successful. I don't know how we define success. You know, am I, is this is are these the heights I'm going to reach? Whatever, whatever. And the older, more famous musician person was like, 
you're still but you're still doing it, right? You're you're, you're playing, mm-hmm. you get stuff. You you survived. You managed to keep. Then you are a success. That's what success is. Success is I can keep doing it. All right, then I guess I succeeded. I'm still doing it. If that's the if that's the metric we're going by, then I guess I succeeded. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. That's the, good. There are plenty of other ways to measure it, but I don't, I don't fucking care. Like whether it's the money, the money kind of go sell real estate if it's a money contest. <laughs> like I, listen, I didn't get into, uh, clearly I didn't get into punk rock to make money. That wasn't the yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. So like I don't know, I don't know how to, and I don't care to. It's not what I'm here doing, and that's fine. Some people are good for them. <laughs> But, like, you know, there are different ways to measure it. Yeah. So, do you believe that songs have monetary value? Um, is being a musician a viable job anymore? For me, no. I don't know. <laughs> you know but was it ever? Um, I, don't, I don't know. And I don't... It's, it feels difficult to form a useful opinion on it because there's so much of the music that I love and that is important to me that I care about that I think is super culturally like significant that like matters that like hasn't sold that many copies people don't a lot of people don't know about it they don't care like yeah the Ramones the Ramones don't have a platinum record apparently did you know that Wow really? the Ramones don't have a platinum hmm. record the Ramones yeah don't have a platinum record. That's like they might now, but for a, but it was only recently that something went platinum. If it's true, because I know at some point, like not too many years ago, someone said that, and I was like, "Bullshit!" Let me look that. Oh my god! Huh? And that's the Ramones. We get constant airplay. So like, can you can you make money just can you being a musician? Maybe, but it doesn't. It's not like thirty years ago where you could just be a band that tours and like a like a midish level band and like pay your rent doing that don't know if you can do that anymore everyone's got to have a side hustle and do other shit and like i don't know so what does what does mike walls do in order to make ends meet as a musician how do you how do you finance the uh the love uh i i have a a computer i have a what uh max collins from eve six calls a fake email job nice dealing with (laughs) computers where like uh it, there's a there's a computer database full of you know like dentist phone numbers right and this is a, this is a simplification of an example yeah but like there's a database of dentist phone numbers and I have to go in and make sure the phone numbers are correct so like I spend all day going through a spreadsheet and this system going like yeah that one's that one's missing gotta fix that let me look up this guy's number and get it in there it's it's stuff like that <clears throat> just absolute like brainless work that also requires constant attention to detail, so it's like the worst of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> then, you, then you siphon the money into your Yeah, your I go, I go from sitting in front of a computer, agonizing over minute details, to then going over to a different computer to agonize over whether the compressor threshold is right, or like, I don't know, the drum, or the drum's like, are they spanky enough? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't, you know, it's a, it's a parallel move. Right, right. <laughs> so it's... Safe to say that most uh, most musical operations operate in the red, and that's probably the case for your bands as well. It's um, more of a hobby. Yeah, although we're 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 generally pretty close to breaking even, if not breaking even. We don't wow. lose too much money, which is great. I mean, it's also we spent we've been doing it long enough that we figured out like, all right, we'll only make these many t-shirts. You only need to uh, press up this many of a thing, you know, that sort of yep, so yep. like we know kind of how to work the margins better. I mean, it's still losing money most yep. of the time. Right. But like, you know, most of most of the records we put out they end up paying for themselves. Um, you know, we don't make we don't make enough money from gigs to pay for the practice right. space entirely or anything. But yeah. like that's fine. I also then record people. And that goes toward buying gear and helping pay for the space sometimes and stuff. So like, it's it's not as red as it could be. It's like a pleasant pink. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to get it done. So yeah, like we're gonna do it anyway. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like even if it even if it completely lost fucking, we'd still be doing it. Yeah. But it's nice that it doesn't make us homeless. That's a bonus. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. What has been the most difficult part about making music or being a musician? Learning to play music? And that's not even facetious. Like, it's so, you know, it's like 
it's it's fractal. There's so many there's so many levels and degrees of competency and technique to things. Mm-hmm. Just every time, I'm sure you've experienced it. Every time you kind of get a little better and level up, some feel like, oh, I've got a grasp on that now. Then you realize, like, oh, it goes deeper and worse. There's more yeah. to learn. Fuck. Like, it's on the one hand, it's wonderful. It's it's a pursuit that never ends. And on the other hand, you'll never actually be that. You know, if you're certain personalities, and I'm one of them, like you'll never be like real good. Yeah, it's yeah. never gonna happen. Because you just keep learning how good good really is. You open the one door, step through, and you see two more. Yeah. And, yeah, it's uh, I, I totally relate to that because uh, every, like you said, every level up just brings a new horizon to what music is as a, as a language that you're experiencing yeah. with other people in real time. Yep. And uh, uh, there are rules, but they're... They're Western rules made by old guys in powdered wigs, and they're not necessarily uh, mm-hmm. always correct for just, uh, especially like punk music and, and stuff even, like that. And even those rules are entirely bendable and, and fungible, and you can, yeah, they're 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 bumper guidelines at a duck pin lane, and like you can hop them pretty easily. You know what I mean? Yep. Playing playing with with Christy and Annie and Queen Wolf, who are way better musicians than I'll ever be. Like it's, and that's not a humble. Thing. I'm not being nice about it. Like that's just true. Um, it's certainly made me get better, and it's great playing with them because they are effortlessly better than I am all the time, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. But it is. It's still that thing of like, I still, I still got, I got to be good for however good I'm gonna be. Yeah. But constantly recognizing like, not that I need to. This is not like a, I need to be the best guitar player in the room. That's not what I am saying here. But however good I'm, like, oh, I really got that part right. Like. Christy can be half asleep and smoke me any day of the week. <laughs> it's fine. So it keeps things in perspective. But it's awesome because as a person who appreciates riffs and like I like people who are sick at it, yeah, I yeah. don't need to be the guy. Like my ego's not that way. I'm really excited to be able to play rhythm guitar behind the person who's that good to be that close to watch and be that good. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So speaking of rhythm guitar, but not not limited to rhythm guitar. I, mean, I um, certainly am. Uh, what's the favorite, your favorite piece of equipment that you've ever owned? Hmm. Hmm. Goodness gracious. Uh, I mean, I guess I have to, I have to, you always, sometimes you know, you end up giving the answer that is true right now and not necessarily the answer. Like those are two ways to answer things. So I'll answer right now what I think is the best thing I've ever owned is my amp that I have. I have the that solid-state orange, the CR120. Oh. the combo version. Okay. Um, Christy has the head and the cab, but I've got the combo version. And it's all, uh, it, it's like based on a rocker verb or something, mm-hmm. um, but all with op amps, um, which I don't I want to get, I don't know enough, <laughs> and also I don't want to get super dorky about it. Right. Um, but op amps clip in a way that I really like. Like 70s big muffs. Okay. Um, where, where, where they used op amps. So this thing, to me, sounds like if an amp was a big muff in a box, but with decent EQ, nice. which I love. Like, I love that gnarly, like, the Greg Ginn, Black Flag, sound like Queens of the Stone Age thing, like that just wave was too much fuzz, like square wave idiot fuzz. Yeah, like, yeah. Where you have to fight to control it. Mm-hmm. Love that. So this does that great. I love this amp right now. That is surprising. Uh, solid state amps have come a long way in the past ten years. It seems like. Oh yeah, this. I mean, this is this is the best sounding solid state amp ever. I think I fucking I love it to death. But also, like I love that gnarly square waved big muff thing. I just want it to be slightly more dynamic, and yeah. this does that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I might check that out. That's I got good. I got to go to a trip to uh, the local. Uh, uh, guitar store that has a name that i'm not going to mention <laughs> and uh might might turn that one on when i'm there part of the thing is that i realized especially when i started playing this amp what what clicked for me is that i don't actually like tubes hmm. they sound great they're great for other people i don't like playing through a tube amp all the things that people like about a tube amp like it's got like the spongy response and they're like super full range i don't want none of that you just want it to the solid be state the same. amp is like tight and focused got like a tight low end for the chuggy chuggies mm-hmm. like it kind of just sits in guitar land frequency wise yep. you know like a fucking laser just super aggressive i love that 
love it to death. Sounds the same all the time. Yeah. Like, nice. I just, I'm not a tubes guy. I appreciate them. I like them for other people. I've got a little silver tone from 1959. It was my grandpa's. Has the original amps in it. Or the original amps. The original tubes. Yeah, yeah. It sounds incredible. It's the secret overdubbed weapon. Every time it's like, ah. we need to do <laughs> another rhythm track or a lead track. Or it's, I don't know what sound I want. It's like, this is going to be it. This is going to be okay. it. Okay. Like, that amp's great. But, like, I don't want to play live. It's not good for me. Every yeah, time yeah. I play me through it, I'm like, mm, I should probably just put on a big muff. Because, like, I need it. I have to fight with it some. Right. You know? And the tubes are too forgiving in a way. They work with you too much. Hmm. I feel like that says something about my personality as a person. <laughs> and I think probably tone choices do for all guitar players. But now everyone's learned something about me. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it to uh, the people who decide to comment on whether or not they agree with your assessment about the tube amps. I'm sure a lot of guitar nerds uh, will have a fit about that comment. And and, and that's fine. They're allowed to love it. I'm not saying they're wrong. It's just all the stuff people hate about solid state amps. It turns out that's exactly what I'm after. That's the thing I want. I've heard, I've heard some good ones, uh, and it's it's weird how people would dog on them even even ten years ago or more when uh, even even the crappy small ones, the little practice amps, would somehow sound good in weird situations. Yeah, especially recording, like some of those things have a lot of charm, and you do a lot with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but this CR one twenty is the first solid state amp I ever played live, not knowing it was solid state, and just assumed it was a tube amp. Oh, like I never, I I. The only reason I found out it was solid state and played it backline on tour playing in Manhattan. I was like, fuck, that amp sounded great. I should look that up when I get home because I'm sure I can't afford it. It's only, oh my God, okay. I'm gonna get one. <laughs> nice. Because you think it's an orange, it's going to be $3,000 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The orange stuff uh, was very intimidating when they started coming out with it uh, on the regular and not being such like a boutique product. Yeah. Um, how much gear, in your opinion, is too much? Do you where do you draw the line, and do you get gear acquisition syndrome? Oh, I definitely get gear acquisition syndrome. Um, but it's but it, it's in my defense, it's usually focused around oh, I have figured out an application for that fucking thing, so now I need it. Like I uh, I bought I bought four pressure zone microphones. Mm-hmm. You know those boundary microphones. Um, uh, if you ever seen those you know what those things are like they use them for plays and stuff where they sit on the floor like they use them in conference rooms sometimes uh, you know there's okay. those ones they have to be against a flat boundary to pick up sound okay very yeah. directional yeah um and uh I, I saw some people do some things with them for drums and i was like oh okay well now that i know what to do with it i need to get several of them so i bought four <laughs> yeah but yeah. but I, it was you know pandemic times some school system in texas was cleaning out all of their school pa systems and replacing oh. stuff so they were selling these three hundred dollar microphones for for twenty five bucks each. Twenty if you buy three or more. What? Right? Wow. So yes, I do have gear acquisition syndrome, but I'm never like I need a three thousand dollar manly compressor. It's always like I found this thing on eBay that's literally full of dog shit, but if I rinse <laughs> it out for only twenty bucks, I can get that snare sound. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm one yeah. of those fucking creeps. Does it ever? Does it ever take up too much space? Do you is space ever a concern? Are you like? Yeah, we've we've got a bunch of like amps that, you know, oh, we we're gonna fix those. No, we're not. I say we've as got... we uh, are, are surrounded <laughs> by a wall of uh, cabinets behind. Yeah, me. we've got stuff we've got to get rid of. But mostly, like once I, it's not like I have. I'm not one of those dudes who's like I've got you know four different microphone choices for overheads depending on what kind of flavor you want. And we can do it like I've got two, and I can get whatever we need out of those two different pairs. And honestly, I usually use the one. Because I know where to put it to get it to do the thing. Ah. So, like, I'm not going to... I don't need that many microphones. Yeah. So, like, I've got enough stuff to do whatever nonsense <laughs> we know we can do. Right. But the problem is we keep learning to do more nonsense so we get more stuff. Absolutely. So, it's not too bad, but it kind of ebbs and flows, right? You hit a critical mass of stuff, and then we go, we should probably throw some of this broken shit out and replace it this. And, like, we never use this thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have a... Uh... C- clearly uh, needing uh, to clear, clear out some of this shit because you, uh, <laughs> you should you'll have to come over to our space sometime and you will feel way better about your room. Oh, okay. <laughs> we have a it's not going anywhere, by the way. We're gonna keep it. We have a, a mixing board that I got from Nathan Sterner at WYPR. Okay, that used to be in uh, 
what used to be their main studio. So like they that became the B room, and that's where they did the jazz after hours, like at night and stuff, and on the weekends. Ooh. So if you ever listen late night jazz on public radio in Baltimore, yeah, you've heard this board. Okay. Then they weren't using it anymore. The power supply, they couldn't find the cable. They weren't in that mm. studio. They were going to remodel it. So Nathan Sterner messaged me one day and said, "Hey man." Do you want this mixing board? I don't know if it works. I don't. I will take it, Nathan Sterner. I don't <laughs> care if it works. I will take it. Yeah. So we have this enormous broadcast board that does not work. I have my speakers behind it, the monitors behind it, the, the converters are over here. It looks like it's part of the setup. It absolutely is not. It's vibe furniture. Nice. And it's great. And I tell everyone when they come in, listen, it doesn't do nothing. It don't even plug in. You can't turn it on. Right. It does not work. And yet, everyone agrees, like, I feel better having it here now. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it enhances yeah. the party vibe. And I swear to God, sometimes when the mixes are sounding good and, like, everyone's into it, I will lean forward and be like, a, mm, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Push up faders that are connected to nothing just because it feels fun to do. Yeah, yeah. And it works. It's great. feels great. So <laughs> just for a mental image, this is, like, one of the big ones that has, like, a million, like, ribbon cables on the inside that yep. are slotted up to different, you know, each, yep. each slider is a, a module. It's got a bunch of VU meters. It's got a VU bridge across the top, a bunch of buttons and pan pots, like, two different sets. It's like a... What a find. It's a broadcast <laughs> mixing board, like a metal chassis. I guess if you're lucky enough, uh, a, and, a lot of studios are probably going to go through a, a remodeling within the next 10 years, and they'll probably be getting rid of a lot of these things yeah, that I mean, are just... So many of those things, like... So the reason we got this one is they lost the cable that connects the power supply to the board. Yeah. And that cable was made by one specific company that doesn't exist anymore. No one knows how to make the cable. How do I know no one knows how? I'm not being hyperbolic. <laughs> I tracked down the companies that bought out the stock in the company of that. Like, these guys bought Audiotronics, and then they sold it to these guys and these guys. It is a company in Pennsylvania, some electronics company. They own all the remaining parts. They own the schematics. They own this stuff. And by they, I mean, there is one guy that works for this company. His name is Joe. Hi, Joe. He <laughs> works in the back of this warehouse who knows how to fix these things. So I talked to Joe on the phone, and he was like, I could try to build you one of those cables, but like it's going to be kind of expensive because they're weird, and you know you might get it powered on. We find out we got to replace a bunch of things because these would break down and blah, blah blah. It was some weird board where the guy had figured out how to make mic preamps using somehow uh, reverse wired door buzzers. Oh boy! <laughs> and people say this thing sounded like an API console, which is wild. Huh. I'll never know because we can't power it up. Yeah, can't can't be done, and it would be so expensive to pull the preamps out and rack them up. Yeah. to like use them for recording and the value I would get out of that versus the value of having this big stupid board where I can go <laughs> the big stupid board wins yeah for yeah sure. so like <clears throat> that's certainly a gear acquisition syndrome thing. <laughs> certainly it, with the space it, too yeah. but it was free so yeah you see this is how I'm getting away with it and justifying it to myself yeah. so yeah I do have a bunch of dumb bullshit but most of it was cheaper free that's great <laughs> that's absolutely great um so outside of music do you have any hobbies or passion projects that uh share or fight for time with your music no i don't do shit that's the thing i'm only i only like the one thing your music through and through this is part of the problem with me like so i went to a wedding la i went to our good friend's wedding last night and got sat at a table with some very nice but regular people right kinda, and like i don't know how to talk to them i don't know what to say because i'm really i'm not like there's other stuff that I'm interested in. Like there's I have yeah. like I love I read comic books because I'm a fucking dork. I'm real into black and white horror comic books right now. Again, like stuff from the '70s and newer stuff. Yeah. Um, but like there's nothing I subscribe to. Like I'm not out there every month buying like the new Spawn. Yeah, you're not fighting for the signing of the issue number one yeah, or yeah. something. Although I did go to Baltimore Comic Con and get a Green Lantern sketch from my favorite Green Lantern artist from when I was like eight. Awesome. Because that was available. I'm very excited about it. So like I'll do that. But like that's not fighting for band time, you know. Like I, I like to. I, I'm a, I'm a reader. I like, and I particularly, well, I used to love conspiracy stuff before you <laughs> before know the this. world. Before, yeah. And I say this with no irony. Before all you fucking squares out there ruined it, right? Before <laughs> yeah, like yeah. regular people got a hold of like they're putting baby parts in the back seat. No, they're yeah, not. Yeah. You dipshit. <laughs> like you know, people who just heard of. Like the Priory of Zion. So first yeah, of all, yeah. it's not a real thing. And also, do you realize how you don't know how racist it is? You fucking poser. Yeah. Conspiracy. 
I used to like Bill, like Bill Cooper. I don't know if you know that crazy person. I'm naming this like you should know these people. He's a crazy <laughs> guy from like the 80s, right? And I'll sit at home. I used to sit at home just listening to his old radio shows. Not because okay. I believe any of this stuff. Yeah. It's just like Coast to Coast AM. Yeah. You listen to that show, right? That kind of stuff. Completely ruined for me now. But that's yeah. that was my hobby, right? Or like reading occult books. Like I'm not I'm not out there doing Resh every morning or anything, but like I've read a bunch of Crowley. Yeah. Because it's really interesting to me. Really interested in that stuff. Right. But like, yeah, I'm not like, well, sorry guys, I can't I can't make it to Pret. My I haven't gotten my guitar fixed because I had to make a, a robe out of a lion skin and buy golden rings. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. it's not fighting for time. I'm curing vellum right now. <laughs> right. Like I'm just out there. I'm either in my dumb band or I'm recording someone else's dumb band and I'm legitimately not that interested in anything else. It'd be great if I was, right? Interested in like, I don't know, making money at my job or anything normal people do like right. what do you do for fun it's like oh i record fuck the police songs like exclusively hell yeah like only <laughs> like, oh what does it sound like unlistenable like you i'm sorry i it's not a judgment no regular person you would not like it yeah like bands where the guitars are like 10 decibels over zero and it's all treble like stuff where i've high passed it to like 7k right and up because that's the guitar sound it's like okay push it into digital red <laughs> right like unlistenable evil stuff love it that's what i'm doing for fun i've got no time for anything else <laughs> so the the listening part takes up a lot of time right so oh, yeah. probably more time than the playing part yeah or... i guess that's certainly true yeah okay um i guess that would be my that's my hobby away from playing music is sitting at home getting ready to listen to and record and play more Music, but, you're, you know? but you're making notes mentally or, or otherwise as to what's, oh, what's going to change. Oh, definitely paper yeah. notes. Paper notes, too. Mentally and paper notes. Oh, like, right. I will for sure, if it's for some situations, like, you got to sit there and, like, chart it out, make, like, notes of this song needs of this, this needs of this. Like, stuff I've done for the Baltimore Rock Opera Society. There's so many pieces going on and stuff's coming in at different times, and this guy's got to re-record ah. this. Like, you kind of got to have it charted out. But, like, if it's a hardcore band coming, like, to do a record and we're going to do the the music one day and we'll come in and do the vocals the next day because your singer can't make it because he had to work on Saturday. You know what I mean? Right. That you don't really need charts for because once you have the good takes, great. Next. Yeah. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about your most recent project? What's going on and where people can find you on the internet? Oh, what have I done recently? Uh, Oh, I did a record with Subtastics that just came out. That's great. We didn't do it recently, I guess, but, you know, pandemic-wise. Right. Like, that's the last album I did for someone outside, and that just came out because everything's slow. So I guess that's the most recent. The Subtastics full one came out. Uh, I've done a bunch of stuff with Chris LaMartina for his, for his movies. Uh, he just had uh, a movie called What Happens Next Will Scare You um, come out on DVD. It premiered at the Salem Horror Fest. This cool. year, which is cool. Um, so I did some uh, mixing, some mixing. I mixed, I mixed that movie. Uh, me and Annie did some music for it with Chris, which is cool. There's uh, a Queen Wolf song on the soundtrack. So I spent a lot of pandemic working on that. Awesome. Um, and uh, there's a new Queen Wolf song that just came out. So we did that. So that's great. Uh, <laughs> finding me on the internet. Uh, there is an audioesoterica.com. I don't remember what's on it right now. I don't I don't use it that often. Um, I think it was a little outdated when I was. Oh, I'm sure it's wildly outdated. <laughs> I had a I have a blogger blog that's outdated. There's an audio esoterica Facebook and it is outdated. Cuz I'm just like I said I'm bad at making money. I'm not necessarily trying to do this professionally. It would probably make sense for me to promote myself better. Mm-hmm. It's not what we're doing here. Like we're we're making punk rock records. So like if you can find me, great. Let's make a record. <laughs> and if you can't I don't know, the internet better. I'm out there. I'm findable. It's not a secret. Uh, yeah, there queen, you go. There's queenwolf.com. That makes more sense. That's updated. Wow. Uh, you guys have a website. Oh, you know what? I take it back. We did fix audioesoterica.com, and now it leads to queenwolf.com and the Infinite <laughs> Pizza Band Camp. So there, nice. just go to audioesoterica.com, I guess, for some of your audio needs. Excellent. <laughs> Yeah, and Mike's based out of Baltimore here, uh, and recording with him is on the east side of Baltimore. Um, 
if you are a if you are a scumbag punk rock band and you have some anti if you have a fuck the police song uh, or any any anything that might upset someone's Republican uncle, get in touch. I want to make your record. I'm looking right in the cameras as I say this. <laughs> like that's that's my primary interest in life is making those records. Hell yeah. So like find me. I am affordable to you. I'm affordable. I'm affordable to most people. Like I'm affordable. I'm not expensive, but like to you specifically with your with your fuck the man, burn down the police songs. I'm super affordable for you. Find me. I promise you. Hell yeah! If you're digging <laughs> amps out of trash cans and and wiring them back together, if, mm-hmm. if 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 you're like the rest of us and you're uh, operating on a shoestring budget, I'm pretty sure Mike will help you out. Yeah, like I I want to. So please find me. So, this has been great. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Thanks for inviting me over. Yeah, thank you so much for coming and talking to me about uh, all sorts of bullshit today. My and, pleasure. Uh, if you'd like to support this podcast, please leave a review or updoot or whatever, wherever you see this, wherever you grab it. Uh, it'll help us out for the future. And uh, thank you very much for listening as well. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) See you later.